We just out here skating, you know, every day we do so. Let's fucking sir! Let's go! We in this bitch. I really didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is modern day hippie shit. And we are live. What's good, everybody? Back with another episode of MDH TV, you know best podcasts in all the universities out there, all the universities and universities. But, um, you know, I'm here with Andre as always. We got a special guest for y'all, you know, my guy, Sam. You know, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's good, I'm Sam. Uh, <clears throat> I go to school with Tommy, you know, and homie since day one, basically, same classes, all that shit. Um, we're just out here chilling, second semester, you know how it is. Uh, figure out how to get through this COVID shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Are you yeah. uh are you on campus right now or you did you stay home? Yeah, yeah, I'm on campus right now. Okay, that's what's up. My so, bad. I was just gonna say, uh, so Sam, this is my first time on the East Coast. Well, I was born on the East Coast, but for pretty much my whole memorable life, this is my first snow experience. Can you let people know like how it is living in the snow and like how just living on the East Coast is with all this weather? Honestly, this is, I mean, it's been a couple of years, but this is probably the most snow we've had in a couple of years. We got probably, I mean, it's melted, so it's probably about a foot on the ground right now. But uh yeah, I mean, compared to Nevada, I'm sure it's it's bad, but it, it's just another day, you know. Um, especially once you get up north, like further north than here, it's snow on the ground almost all year round. Uh, kind of, or not all year round, but oh. all winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was annoying at first, just having because they didn't have the streets plowed and all that stuff. But um, you know, it's fun to to have the snow coming down it's nice to look at um a little bit of a change of pace you know no. I, don't mind, I don't mind the cold too much i like wearing jackets and stuff i got i got too many jackets probably <laughs> See, i would love the cold it's just the snow's fucking up skating for yeah. me I, I would love to say i agree with you but i just i'm not a fan of the snow like it's cool to look at at night on the inside you know maybe like when you're just looking out the window but when it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I can't go outside because it's still snow, I'll be like, yeah, this isn't it. Because yeah. this yeah. was like my first snow experience too. My bad. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> this is your thing, right? <laughs> um, hey, we're glad you got that that type of uh, energy coming to that because some of our guests do not be thinking like that. <laughs> but you skiing stuff, right, Sam? Yeah, I'm actually going skiing uh, – this weekend my family's coming up and we're going up we're going over to uh local mountains and we're skiing i've been skiing ever since i was real little because my mom lived out in colorado uh, mm -hmm. when she was younger and 
uh, I got family out there. So we used to go out and ski out West and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's kind of, it. I stopped skiing so much uh, in high school just because we never had time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm kind of in, in the area and have the opportunity to, uh, uh, we're, I'm going to try and get back into it a little bit. Where are you? Hopefully. Where are you originally from? I'm from PA. I've been in PA all my life, so oh. um, a little bit further south than here. Uh, but we used to go to we used to drive out and go to mountains, local mountains, that sort of stuff, to ski when I was younger. But uh, yeah, I've. Um, I mean, my my parents have moved around a lot, but um, I've been in PA. I'm almost 21 now, and so I've. I'll be, have been in PA for all my life, pretty much. Yeah, that's nice. Now, you already told me a little bit about this, but you took a gap year last year. You're, you're currently a freshman uh, at Lehigh in the same class as me. Can you tell us a little bit about how your gap year was, the things that you did during your gap year, and, like, what those experiences did for you? Yeah, so I, I like, I was kind of applying to colleges my senior year, just trying to figure out, I didn't really care where I went, I guess. Um, I was looking at schools kind of all over. Um, and Lehigh got me into this, or I got into this program at Lehigh, this Eckerd Scholars thing. I was like, damn, I don't have to take like freshman classes. I don't have to do like required shit. Like I'll do that. Um, so that was, that was kind of why I chose Lehigh. And then the financial aid didn't come through the first year. I was like, not going to be able to pay uh, the 75,000 a year or whatever. So I was like, all right, fuck it all. My sister had looked into this program called AmeriCorps NCCC. So I was like, I'll just apply to that and see what happens. So I got in and I got, I went out West uh, to their Denver campus and spent a couple weeks getting training and all this stuff. And then, um, basically what you do, it's basically like service projects kind of stuff. Um, so my first project, I went up to Greeley, Colorado, which was, which is in like the North East kind of like cent- central Northern area uh, of Colorado on the, on the plains. And we built houses out there with um, Habitat for Humanity, which was dope. I love, I love those guys. Um, and we just got, uh, we just had a good time. It was a good group of kids. And then um, after that, we went home for a couple of days for uh, Christmas. And then right after that, I went to southeastern Arizona and we did habitat rehabilitation for um, endangered species, the southeastern willow or southwestern willow flycatcher or something like that, some bird. Um, and like habitat remediation, we were basically like clearing land and trying to plant uh, native species of trees and that and that sort of stuff. And then we also did uh, primitive road maintenance. They got a lot of like dirt roads and stuff, so um, that get washed out after the winter, like because it'll snow up in the mountains in Arizona and then it'll all melt and run down into the into the desert and wash that wash the roads out. So we we were uh, building irrigation systems and that sort of stuff to keep were you like camping or were you guys like backpacking or did you have cabins or what no we had uh we had housing so in um colorado we uh lived in the basement of the habitat for humanity uh like offices and they had bunk beds because they had had teams before so 
uh, they kind of had their setup and all that stuff. And then in Arizona, we had like a house, we had 13 people uh, in basically like a, uh, I don't know how many, it was like six rooms and two bathrooms for 13 people. So we were <laughs> all crammed in there. Uh, one of the kids ended up like quitting or something like that because he had he had an issue but then we got sent home because of uh corona and then we were supposed to do contact tracing or something i was going to quit after that mm -hmm. so i was like i'm not going to do that that's like invasive um but I, we ended up just not doing anything so i just worked my regular summer job before coming here did you so it was interesting for sure did you feel like like when you took the gap year, you kind of lost motivation to go to college. Cause I, I feel like it's like a stigma around like taking gap years that like, you'll never go back after you take a break from school. Honestly, yeah, I was kind of like, when I was in Arizona, I was like, dang, I'm having a lot of fun, you know? Um, Cause I love being outside and doing work and that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know what, honestly, I don't care if the, cause I had like applied for financial aid. I was like, but I wasn't really like checking my emails or anything to see if I was missing anything. I was like, I don't care if I, I don't care if I miss like emails or forms or whatever. Like, I don't know if I really even want to go, but as it got closer, like over the summer, as it got closer to like me going, I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it'll be good to go. And like my parents wouldn't have let me not go either. So they're big into like getting an education and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, does the effect of COVID, like the effect it's had on our first year, does, does it make you regret going out west or was that just an experience that you're always going to remember and you don't care that COVID messed up your freshman year? No, yeah, honestly, I, you know, I think about that sometimes. Or I was like, oh, you know, I could have had like a normal first year or whatever, all this stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean – there were certain things that we did that um, I wouldn't ever like take back. So yeah, I don't think, um, I don't regret anything. Like even in like most of my life, I don't regret stuff. I'm just like, you know, trying to uh, get the most out of life and that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't regret that at all. Yeah, there's no use for regretting stuff because it's not like you can go back and change it. So right. yeah, yeah, that's you fine. always learn something about it too, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I learned how to like put up with people, uh, <laughs> all kinds of people from all different walks of life. You know, I mean, because on the on the campus, um, they had us staying in like basically bunk rooms with. I had like 18 other dudes in my bunk room. And so I had to like get used to that immediately after having my own room in my house my whole life and that sort of stuff. Um, and having to deal with kids who were like coming home drunk and all this stuff and um, uh, like basically treating it like a party and, and all this sort of thing. So it was definitely like a good learning experience for getting used to college. Um, Cause I thought I was going to have a roommate and all this stuff. And then now they got us in a separate room. So, I mean, I'm glad to have my own room, but I was prepared for it, I guess, to have, to have a roommate. Mm. Nice, nice, how, nice. How has the COVID college experience been for you? Cause like, you know, I think I was, I'm speaking for Andre here. 
although we don't necessarily know how a regular college year is supposed to be. So when people ask me, like, how is it for you? I'm like, honestly, it's straight because like I'm just doing what I want to do. I'm out. I'm in my own environment. I'm around, you know, cool kids. I'm meeting all these good new people, starting all this new stuff. So it's a good experience for me, at least in that sense. How How is it overall for you? Yeah, honestly, I'm hanging in there, you know. I In the first semester, I was like, honestly, fuck this. I was looking at jobs to, like, uh, to get, like, basically just quit school or whatever and, like, get a job that only needed a high school diploma and all this stuff. I was like, because it kind of sucked at first. And then I kind of got into the groove of things. And uh, honestly, like, meeting new people, especially, like, you, Tommy, and, like, um, some other people that I've met are like, I'm just kind of, you know, hanging in there. It's all good. Uh, so I've, I've kind of, you know, accepted that this is what this year is going to be like. And I got some good classes, so um, I'm making the most of it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the classes because that brings me to a good segue. We are both in this uh, intro to political thought class together and what what's your opinions about it? Go ahead and tell Andre like what's some some of the things we talk about in it, and just get and this is gonna you know lead us into the government talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically I don't know. I got the textbook here. Um, it, it's basically an overview of uh, the development of modern political ideologies. So. Um, the textbook is about liberalism, communism, fascism, and Islamism. And I guess liberalism in the sense of like, you know, like classical liberalism, what the founding fathers knew of as like um, freedom and liberty and that sort of stuff. Not like the, you know, like left-wing liberal kind of shit that you hear the Republicans talking about and all that. Um, and so honestly, that, that class is definitely going to be interesting. And it's kind of difficult to gauge how the professor is just because like he's he's kind of hard to read like you get the sense that he's like kind of a dickhead or whatever um because he's like oh I'm so much smarter than you you don't get this yet like I'm going to show you like I'm going to open your mind all this stuff uh but he seems like I don't know he he seems like you know kind of just like a uh socialist or whatever that's that that's just trying to like break down uh like the john locke's arguments and all this stuff and the philosophy of classical liberalism and and libertarianism and that sort of stuff so i don't know i mean i think it'll be an interesting class for sure and i'm trying to keep an open mind with that um just because i hate politics but he keeps bringing up politics so like um that annoys me but you know I'll deal with it I guess (laughs) yeah yeah my teacher is kind of they're kind of super sensitive towards like politics so they'll be like we're not going to talk about any politics in this class like we don't want anybody we want this to be kind of like a safe space which which I understand but also like there should be a time in like a place and I feel like a classroom is probably the perfect place to have these conversations that may make you feel uncomfortable but we should freely be able to express ourselves and express our views on whatever, whatever our government is doing. 
Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that the professor is kind of upfront about his political views, but mm-hmm. he makes it seem like, uh, like, unless you think the way he does, like, you're dumb, all this stuff. Yeah. And so, like, it's just kind of, and I mean, we've only had a couple of classes. So, you know, uh, maybe my opinion of that will change, but um, he seems, I don't know, maybe a little arrogant. Maybe that's just because he, yeah. we're using his book that he like co-authored to, for this course or whatever. Like he's making us pay him to take his course, basically. I don't know. Yeah, but like Andre, kind of what you said, like what you said, mm-hmm. they're trying to create this safe space, right? Mm-hmm. But it's crazy because they'll create this safe space, but shit on the right and Trump any chance they get. Like, bro, this, our professor, he starts off class shitting on Trump. He was bringing up like the impeachment trials and was like, and I honestly, I wanted to be like, why are we wasting our times on this these impeachment trials? But I knew if I said that, he was going to tear my ass up. So I was like, <laughs> I was just kidding to myself. Yeah, I, like, you know, I'm a fan of everybody feeling safe in their environment, but like, we got to understand like this isn't high school no more like this is the real world and the real world is not a safe place like you're gonna go outside and see shit that you don't like and you and if you don't know how to deal with it in a in a in a good way which I feel like being in the classroom will teach you then you know you may go crazy or you may try to fight that person just because you don't you've never even ingested somebody else's views let alone seen it right in your face and had it close enough to where you could do something about it. That's facts. That's facts. Now, Sam, could you give us like a little overview of what you think about the government? And you touched on a little, you say you didn't like politics. None of us really like it, even though it's always, we're always kind of forced to talk about it just because it's so fucked up. So what's your, you know, views and your opinion on the government? Um, I mean, I always, I don't know, because I try not to like talk politics with people a whole lot just because um generally people don't like what I have to say (laughs) um I I guess I'd say that I'm like anti-political almost and that like I don't really like uh overbearing centralized federal government I don't think that the federal government is a good thing um and what it does I don't what it stands for I don't think that's a good thing uh and the recent expansion of it I mean ever since like Lincoln basically um, it's just been expanding and expanding and expanding. I don't, I don't like the kind of, you know, like big brother sense that we're getting now. Like it's almost, it's almost like scary how accurate, I mean, and it's the cliche, like 1980, like George Orwell's 1984, like, uh, like this is uh, basically like a prophecy of what's going to happen. Like it, it almost seems like it, it's almost like scary how accurate it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't enjoy having other people telling me what I can and can't do um, and taking my money and threatening me. I mean, cause I, I, I make a good amount of money with my job, but not really a whole lot. And I end up paying, you know, 20% in taxes, paying out 20% in taxes. Like that's money I'm not going to get back. And honestly, I'd prefer to like donate that money and be charitable. Like uh, my brother is, uh, he's, he, he's a volunteer firefighter. And so I was like, you know, I'll donate, you know, some money to 
uh, his fire company because like that's something that I think is a good a good thing to support you know like people need that kind of help but when the federal government is taking my money and then we end up giving other countries millions of dollars that's I don't really want my money going towards other countries welfare I want to fix the problems that we have in the United States you know yeah I feel like if if the government were to give people like a choice on what they wanted to give their money to then I feel like tax like paying taxes would still probably be a problem but it wouldn't be as big of a problem because like a lot of people are like you said giving this money from their check and they don't know where it's going like they're saying like it's for the good of the country or the good of the world but it's like how do we truly know and I'm not the type of person to just question every like just be that asshole and act like the government is lying on everything but like it's it's like it's hard to just trust something when you don't see where it's going at all. Yeah. Everyone is going yeah. to bullshit like stadiums and shit like that when there's you know people homeless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got so many issues here. And I mean, part of it is that the federal government like wants us to have issues here so that like we feel like we need them and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the in the grand scheme of things like yeah i mean i'll still pay taxes and that sort of shit but that's mostly just because i don't want people with guns coming to like take my shit you know um i'm just trying to live my life and i just want to be mostly i just want to be like left alone (laughs) like honestly i'm trying to figure out uh how to like buy land and and kind of have my own house and like do my own thing but in reality, that's one of the things that really like frustrated me as I was like getting older and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do was, I mean, as an American, as someone who pays taxes, you know, like I never actually own the land that I have because I'm still paying property taxes. So I'm basically paying rent to this overbearing mafia essentially. So they don't come and shoot my dog and, you know, like break my legs and put me in prison and all this shit. Um, so like I don't know. I mean I I like uh, volunteerism and the kind of uh, it's called like agorism where you try to cut out as much of the government in your life as possible, like shopping locally and uh, and like farmers markets and like all this shit and like growing your own food, becoming self sufficient. That's a lot of what I uh, am like trying to research and and get better at yeah that that's good because a lot of people they're so dependent on that store on that supermarket on walmart to get the things that they need so it's like if walmart was to ever shut down y'all wouldn't know how to grow your own food y'all wouldn't even know what food to pick off the tree that's poisonous and which one you can eat so it's like as people we live in this society that's looked at as like so advanced and that's so technological and so this and so that, but as people, we're almost as primitive as, as we could ever be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dependency, like the people being so dependent is something that really kind of like, I don't know about disillusioned is probably a strong word, um, but it really made me, it really opened my eyes to how like, weak as a people we've become you know i mean like i mean i'm not saying like oh you know back in the old days or whatever like that's not that's not what i mean i mean like 
there's the, 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 the saying of like, you know, great men create good times and good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. I think we're coming up on some hard times here soon. Um, and that, that's frustrating for me as, you know, like a young man trying to kind of come into my own and find my place in society and be a productive member of society. And, and um, so I, that, that's one of my greatest frustrations is that people like kind of need, you know, daddy government or whatever to take care of them, yeah. um, at least in a political sense, I guess. Yeah, but also like, I like how you said earlier, like the government is kind of like a big brother and like us people are like so used to just falling back on them and being like, okay, I know they got me. Or if I'm homeless or if I'm unemployed, I can get a check from them. Cause there's so many people that are living like off of welfare and living strictly off of somebody else's, somebody else's money. So it's like, once if the government ever does go through troubles and we've seen how fast shit could flip with COVID-19, this should be a lesson to everybody. Like, yeah, this shit could get shut down. But if the government does ever come to a halt or something like that, then you're going to have thousands, if not millions of people homeless and starving. And they don't have the, the mental capability to, to survive. Like, I like how you said, Tommy, we look so advanced, but in reality, like we, we're so far from like, and, and I know you said like the back in the old days type thing, but like, seriously, like people back then could literally pick food up off the ground or pick food off a tree and eat it and survive. But it's like, we can't even do that shit, but we're so advanced because we could talk on the phone to each other. Like, <laughs> like we can't sustain life, but we could be on the phone with each other. And that's what, that's what makes us more advanced than our ancestors. Every technological advancement makes humans a little more stupid and a lot more lazy. That's yeah, cool. I mean, that's facts. Like every, every like uh, technological advancement that we've made has been like trying to make life easier, you know? And like, you're right, like back in the, uh, like, I mean, back in time, people were having like, you know, 10, 12 hour work days just to like, plow the fields and that sort of stuff and get get the uh put in the work to get the money that they need to survive and now people are like oh, i'm gonna you know start a clothing line or like whatever like try all this like random shit to just like do whatever they think is easiest not like actually what they're passionate about or like putting like that requires work you know um and i appreciate like the people who are actually passionate like not to shit on like people who create clothing lines like i think that's dope like I, i've bought like stuff from like independent clothing brands but uh but like these like i just see like a bunch of these like kids like trying to and i and i appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit but i think they think it's easy and it's just not and it's like you got to put that work in they like complain like oh people aren't buying my stuff all this stuff and it's like you got to put the work in if you want it and technology is making people think that it's like that easy, you know, like you can buy a course and become a millionaire, like an influencer on Instagram or whatever. And I don't really like use social media that much, but like, <laughs> that's the sense I kind of get, you know? Yeah. It's such like, 
an illusion because it's like, yeah, we're going to give you this phone to make life easier or whatever. But in reality, like now we're forgetting how to talk to people in real life and how have real conversations or we're going to give you this car. But now walking down the street seems like such a chore when, you know, back in olden times or whatever, they used to really travel across the country to go dig for gold that they didn't even know was there or not. Like, that's crazy to me. And, and like, and like you said, fuck, actually, I forgot what you said. Oh, you know, I didn't. It's crazy how like people can sell these cheap dreams to people nowadays. Like, like, I know you've all seen the YouTube ads where it's like, uh, I just made 24,000 in one month, yada, 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 sign up for my program. And people are really taking the hard work and the dedication that the hard work and dedication that people had to put in and trying to sell it to people just like they've sold they've sold other cheap dreams to us like cell phones and cars yeah i mean obviously like that kind of concept's been around for a long time right like the snake oil salesman and all that stuff from the old west and like uh and that sort of thing but it was it, it was different in the fact that like if you bought into that stuff like you had to figure like, and it didn't work out, like, you had to figure out what you were going to do next, like, now it's just, like, oh, I'll use my parents' money, I'll use this government, like, check or whatever that I'm getting to, uh, like, you know, keep trying the same thing, and it's, like, if it doesn't work, like, adapt, you know, like, figure out what is actually going to work, innovate, you know, do something that's, that's new and, and, and special, but, so, I mean, it's not, like, people haven't been selling, you know, like you said, like, I like that, like cheap dreams for a long time, but people aren't, aren't really, there's not that there's like a safety net now uh, that there didn't used to be. Yeah, that's um, fact. And Andre, you said something earlier that I really like. You said that they're giving you this phone to make your life easier, but what they're not telling you in that contract, when they give you that phone, is they're actually taking your real world life and they're commuting it into a technological life. And that's what this technological world is. Like, Sam, I don't know if you've even ever took the bus up at school because you live like at Warren. So like, you're kind of everything. But every time I used to take the bus, whenever I went on there, everybody was engulfed in their phone, eyes on their screen, didn't know anything that was going on around them didn't know where they were traveling, didn't know who was coming on the bus, who was getting off, didn't know who was dropped. They didn't know any of this, but they knew what was going on on Instagram. They knew what was going on Twitter. They knew they were watching YouTube. They knew, it's almost like technology gives us so much information that we can't pick and choose which is the right ones to actually pay attention to. So we get stuck staying in this technological realm and we get pulled away from the things that is real life. You, you don't see people outside anymore, you know, getting sun or even just outside getting fresh air. Like there's literally people who make a living off sitting in their house, which, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with. Do you? I respect your hustle. But there's people that have made millions of dollars staying inside playing video games. And it's like we're going into an age where we're being we're not even going into it. We're already in the age where we've been taken out of nature completely. And now our entire lives, especially with this COVID stuff, is all on online. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like 
this false sense of security that people have. Like they can be on the on the bus and just be on their phone and not watch their surroundings. They could walk down the street with both earphones in and have music blasting without being worried. Like I feel like since we kind of come from a place, like me and Tommy kind of come from a place where it's like, I mean, you could you could maybe do that, but like there's like there's a sense of danger that we all have. Like when I walk down the street, I can't just not pay attention, like because I feel like somebody might come up and try something. Like I didn't I didn't witness a robbery almost. You feel me with a gun out? So I, <laughs> that shit was scary as fuck. So like that's why I don't even wear slides outside no more because I'm really like I try to really stay on edge at all times. But it's but since people haven't experienced real life and they've only experienced technological life and they haven't they may see someone get killed in the video game, but they don't really know how it feels and know how it feels to be scared or know how it feels to get shot at. And they feel like they could do shit like that with no, with no consequence. And that's another crazy thing actually. Cause like, you know, in society it's like gang violence and killing all this violence is like the cool thing. It's so hyped up, mm-hmm. but so many people would not know what to do actually being in that situation in I real life. So it's like y'all are over here living not even other people's fantasies, like living their fucking nightmares out as fantasies on a game on your phone mm-hmm. when you don't even know you couldn't even like handle some you couldn't handle a dog running at you, let alone somebody with a gun. But yeah. you act like a gangster. Yeah, that's something I talk a lot about. Um, because I'm a big proponent of, you know, like the Second Amendment, like not even just the Second Amendment, like as it's written down, but having a natural right to defend yourself by whatever means is necessary. Like, I understand, and I, like, I hate, like, you know, like, I always say, you know, like, every gun law is an infringement upon that right, you know, like, any kind of gun law, any, anything like that. And people are like, oh, well, what, you want people, like, run around with machine guns, all this stuff? And I'm like, you know, honestly, if it was, if we were living in a society that actually, like, taught the value of life, then yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Like people don't understand the value, like how valuable life is. And they think like, yeah, just like killing someone, it's like a video game, like they'll respawn or whatever, you know, like they don't have that connection, like like hurting people, taking their stuff, like killing people. That has like real world consequences and people don't, like for some reason that's kind of stopped being understood. And like, it just doesn't connect because we have this like, penchant for violence like living vicariously through these like movies and video games and stuff and it's like like oh that's so this is what it feels like you know to be at war or whatever when in reality like war is scary as fuck and people don't people change because of that shit like literally like something snaps inside of them that we don't really even fully understand and like having to take someone else's life like that's a really scary concept to me Mm -hmm. um and so i don't take things like that lightly like when i say like i'm a proponent of the second i don't i don't mean i want people to die i mean i want to be able to protect myself and my family from meeting that fate if it comes down to it yeah and I, i feel like a lot of people again like they have that false sense of security with not having any guns like if they were to just ban if they were to just ban guns, like people don't know if it's a if it's a nigga like The Rock running up on you, 
he's getting that shit if, if you don't have a gun. Whether it's me, you, or Tommy, like, he's probably getting that shit from us. So, like, and that's never happened to him. They never seen no big dude that could really fight and could really take whatever he want. They never had, like, a Debo or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I support guns, too. Um, And I feel like it's unrealistic to even think about living in a society without guns. Because... Exactly. Because... I always thinking of it like in this in this comparison, like a, a 20, 24 year old petite woman will have no chance to defend herself from a nigga like me or Tommy or you or and we're just we're not even like the LeBrons of the the, the fucking society. Like we're <laughs> <laughs> we're like this the 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 small version. So I, like, I feel like they should they should really be taking that into account more than anything. Yeah, and like. You know, before we go on our uh, commercial break, I just want to say a lot of people that are against guns are also against the police. So it's like you can't you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't be like, we don't want no guns, but we also don't fuck with the police. We don't want them to protect us because, you know, for damn self, you're not protecting yourself. You know what's going on. You got music in your ear. You think everything is a is a Meg Thee Stallion song. And you, all you do is twerk. So like, what what do you mean you you don't wanna have guns? You don't wanna be able to protect yourself. That's the thing, like people are so worried about other people than learning stuff for themselves and learning how to actually protect themselves. So they're worried about you having a gun for what you might do with it when they don't even know what the importance of having a gun and what that can do for them can do. Yeah. And if you trust the government and the military that much to give your guns away and just let them and the police be the only people with guns, by all means. Same people yelling defund the police is saying take away the guns. But one, yo, 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 yo. We're back from our last commercial break. You feel me? You feel yeah. me? It's Kitty Dre, you are what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a kitty then. I'm a one. Well, well. You lucky you got, need to be a cat because you want to be a lion in this world, not not a pup. It was it was a joke about something else. I know, but oh, I was to, I, it was it was like about eating pussy, right? Only only if only if the girls are listening. If not, then yeah, yeah. I was trying to be a lion. <laughs> <laughs> For all the niggas out there, I was trying to be a lion. <laughs> Yeah, but um, hope y'all enjoyed that commercial break. Hope y'all enjoying the pod. Got Sam on here. If y'all didn't know, Sam was already on a pod before. He was on the, I think we were talking about the election and just COVID in 2020. It was like a big pod. So yeah, he's been on on there already. Um, He's a good guy. But (laughs) we're talking about two-way rights and like defending yourself. Did you want to get a little more into that and like, what you know about guns and do you own any firearms? Um, yeah, you I mean, uh, that's something I'm trying to get better about is like, uh, well, first of all, like being, you know, knowledgeable about um, like the philosophy behind uh, like American individualism and that sort of stuff. Um, but also, you know, like, making moves kind of quietly especially you know now in this in this day and age in this climate 
of, you know, I mean, I don't think with the amount of people who bought guns in the past year, I don't think any kind of major gun control bill will be able to like pass in the federal government uh, without resistance from the people. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, trying to keep, keep what I got on the down low sometimes, you know, um, uh, if I do have anything, you know, uh, yeah, he doesn't like, even have yeah. we got uh, these uh yeah yeah uh i've been lifting so i got those guns but <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean that's something that i realized was really important um to the development of you know like the american psyche was this uh right to bear arms and to um you know like if need be, defend yourself and your family and your property with lethal force. Um, I think everyone should have the capability to do that. Um, and I don't think that gun control is the right way to go about that kind of thing, uh, mostly because a lot of the ways that it's been done in the past is it basically makes firearms even less accessible to uh, the lower classes, uh, the middle class and the lower class. So, you know, like, it's technically legal to have a machine gun in the United States, but you got to have $30,000 and pay all the special forms for it and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, like the average person can't own something. It's basically like saying like, oh, well, it, that's a right that rich people have, you know, the right to own this certain thing. Um, and the way that it was done, I mean, the National Firearms Act, 1934, probably the most abhorrent uh, piece of gun control legislation to have ever passed. Uh, that's the one that uh, forces people to pay the $200 tax stamp for suppressors um, and short-barreled shotguns and short-barreled rifles. Um, first of all, it was, I mean, based off of Hollywood movies. So, you know, I mean, Hollywood has been colluding with the government for, you know, for way longer than we think they've been <clears throat> intentionally or unintentionally. Um, but again, that's something that you see like $200 in 1934, that's in the middle of the great depression. Like that makes it, that's more than the firearm would have cost. It's like basically saying that this should not be attainable for, um, you know, poor people because they're dangerous, you know? Um, and the whole idea behind it was like, oh, well, the, bootleggers and the gangsters the people who are buying up guns and have these uh can basically like concealable firearms because they're short barrel rifles or short barrel shotguns uh they're not uh like they're like if we make them pay the 200 hundred dollar tax stamp then we can track the the shotgun or the rifle when it's used in a crime that's committed and then you kind of sit back and think for a second you're like wait a second if these guys are criminals what makes them, what makes you think that they're going to pay you $200 to have something that they can do, you know, like go into a back room with a hacksaw and cut down the barrel on a shotgun that they bought from the hardware store, you know, like these guys are criminals. They're not going to follow the law. And then, but then at the same time, like Al Capone was making so much money from bootlegging that he was like, yeah, I'll pay the tax stamp, whatever. Like if it gets you off my back, like they could pay for that stuff, you know, like they're making so much money. Um, 
so like it backfired and now poor people are out of out, shit out of luck and i mean for something like a suppressor um going on the history of that 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 was developed i think don't don't quote me on this but i think it was developed by um the same guy who developed the maxim machine gun but he was doing like he was basically trying to figure out uh car mufflers so it's basically it's for hearing safety it's a safety device uh to make guns quieter and that sort of stuff and, but then people get this idea that it makes the firearm silent or whatever and so that all these criminals are going to use them and, and and that sort of thing and so now your average citizen has to pay two hundred dollars and then wait nine months for the atf which you know is an unconstitutional organization in its own right to decide whether or not they actually get that what should be considered like a basic right to be able to own a hearing safety device you know um yeah. so that's kind of I, i've been trying to get i don't know if that makes any sense i'm just kind of rambling but um that's kind of like the um inconsistencies was what really like forced me into getting pissed off about about you know the government and that sort of stuff specifically with the second amendment yeah, that definitely made sense. But the the one thing that stuck out to me was when you're talking about like how criminals were like, like they they don't care about the law anyways. Like it's funny to me. Like people will be, they'll hear like the statistics from like Chicago or something. Or I feel like we pick on Chicago too much. But any other place where a lot of people get killed, and they'll be like, yeah, they need gun control down there. And it's like these people aren't getting their guns from the rifle shop. But like a lot of these dudes aren't even of age to get a, a firearm. So stopping, you know, good Americans or just people in general from getting weapons from, from getting guns from the store is like, to me, that's not going to do anything. Like people aren't, these criminals who, who are, are part of these gangs, they're not going to the shop. Most, like I said, most of them are under 21, if not under 18 and they're, they're possessing firearms. So it's like, what is that really going to do? Like, if they're robbing and killing people, do you really think they're going to give a fuck if a fucking, some ink on a piece of paper says they can't have a fucking suppressor or they can't have a sawed-off shotgun? You think they, they care about... They're not going to look at that shit. They're going to roll up their blunt with it. <laughs> Bro, seriously, like, they really expect a criminal to be like, oh, fuck, this firearm isn't registered. Let me go take it back before I kill this dude. Yeah. Like, that's not how, I promise you, that's not how it goes. Most of the time, it's even, it's it's better for them. They, I feel like they feel it's better not to get a gun from the shop because then it can't be tracked. So why would they, why would they even try to implement gun control laws or background checks where in these, in these areas? Yeah. And then they know, like, if the average citizen, like, if it's difficult for the average citizen to get a gun, then they, like, know that a, like a house break-in or whatever is going to be easier because they know that this dude's not going to have a gun or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that like, I mean, I always say like, I'm definitely looking into 3D printing. That's a new like frontier of firearm production. Um, basically like making, like building your own firearms, um, which I mean, <clears throat> regardless of the legalities of it, that's, that's, like the new frontier of firearm design. Um, and I think that that's basically gonna kill gun control. Uh, there's already, I mean, at least 
one or two guys in Europe. It's like a coalition of guys in Europe who uh, designed a firearm that can be 3D printed and then you rifle the barrel in your bathroom. And as long as you have ammunition, like it's, it's basically a submachine gun that you can make in your basement. Oh, um, and I mean, that was what uh, this guy in England, P.A. Ludi, he, he was this like, he's basically the father of this concept of like, in order to actually kill, uh, in order to actually enact gun control, you have to restrict knowledge and uh, of how to build firearms. Because basically you can go to the hardware store and you can buy a couple of pipes and some nails and some screws and stuff, and you can make a slam fire shotgun fairly easily. Um, and so it's that idea of like the, the knowledge is what the government would need to restrict. And therefore that makes it immoral for them to even really enact gun control because like then you're taking away people's ability to learn and like have yeah. knowledge you're basically book burning in that in that instance and that pa ludi's case was big in england because um in order for him to be convicted the the british government basically had to prove his point that he was able to create a fully functioning submachine gun out of hardware store parts like they had to prove that it was actually a firearm in order to convict him and it worked and so i mean he got convicted but um, it was basically this huge victory for against gun control. And now, I mean, there's a huge community of people that are 3D printing firearms. And I mean, no matter what, um, no matter what you do, what, whatever the government like legislates or whatever, you can't you can't stop people from getting knowledge and code and that sort of stuff. And that brings in the First Amendment as well, like is code free speech and, and that sort of thing. But I mean, if you can't clean up you know, like these, the government can't clean up these child porn rings or whatever that are, that are putting shit on Twitter and all this stuff and Twitter won't shut them down and everything. Like, how do you expect to stop people from, you know, exercising an actual right, you know, yeah. uh, if these people are really that about it. And there are a lot of hardcore people who are saying like, yeah, I'm willing to die for this shit. Like, don't fuck with me, you know, yeah. uh, which is admirable. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of times these days people don't have something to believe in or something to die for. And I think that that's, I think we're missing out a little bit maybe <laughs> at yeah. some point, maybe I'm just romantic about, about uh, the revolutionary era or something like that. But something being, that, uh, Oh, my bad. Oh no. Yeah. I was just going to say being principled is, is something that is very rare these days. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say this quote from, from this anime, I don't know if you watch anime, but I think I think the dude, the little boy's name, I don't know if it was a little boy, but the boy's name is like Haku or something. Oh, Haku. Yeah, was Zabusa cold as fuck. Yeah. He was like, he basically told Naruto like, you can't, you won't get stronger unless you have something to protect. And I feel like that kind of like relates to what you said that people don't really have that that desire and that firing them no more to, to stand up for what they believe in. But aside from all that, I wanted to bring up this conversation that me and Tommy had during the summer. And me and him were talking about like, if somebody were to break into it, like if we were to be the man of the house and somebody were to, <laughs> if somebody were to break into our house, we wouldn't know what the fuck to do about it. We would just like 
I don't know what, what we would do. We'll probably be just as scared as everybody else. And I feel like, I feel like me and Tommy are, I know I'm not a scary person. I don't feel like Tommy's a scary person. I mean, obviously that's a very scary situation, but I feel like it's because we don't have the training and we didn't have the training growing up to defend our household and defend the people that we, that we care about. Like I always said, if I do own a gun, all I really want is a shotgun. I don't even need the bullets. I just needed to make that noise that it makes when you cock it. Cause I feel like anybody that breaks into a house, like if they hear that they're not, they have to turn around, but I'm not, I don't even know how to do that shit properly. I might try to do that and blow a hole through the roof. So it is like, it is kind of like a restriction of knowledge because these are things that I feel like we should be taught in school. We should be taught as adolescents and we're just not because it's, it's such a negative stigma around it because of the bullshit. Like, I can't sit up here and act like bullshit doesn't happen with guns, but like like the like people say, guns don't kill people. Stupid people with guns kill people. You feel me? Which is so true. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, oh no, you guys. I was just gonna say, there's like, and I, I wanted to ask your opinion on this, Sam. There's like the videos of this dad, he teaches his kids uh gun like gun information. He, he educates someone firearms and gun safety and there's like and they have like the youtube or whatever and there's like a lot of people that hate that as you probably would think and like he's been written to like people have complained to social services like thousands of times about the stuff that he does and literally all he's doing is showing his children how to defend themselves and it's crazy like we live in a day and age where they want us to be so dependent on the man, so dependent on the big brother government that if you're trying to show your kids how to defend yourselves, you're looked at as some kind of evil guy for some reason. Yeah, that's really frustrating uh, to think about that people are so like afraid of inanimate objects that they're letting them control their lives. I think what that father is doing is probably one of the greatest things you can do is start children early on understanding that firearms in their base form are tools, tools to do uh, things that many other tools aren't necessarily designed to do. It's designed to kill, it's designed to uh, project force. And so you have to treat it with respect. It's, it's a very, I mean, in its, you know, just sitting there it's not going to do anything it's not going to go off or anything like that but if like what i'm like if i ever have kids that's one of the first things i do is teach them how to operate a firearm safely teach them you know like the first four rules of firearm safety and like kind of beat that into their heads because that's one thing that we don't have um necessarily as a society is like people are like oh well i'll just wait for the cops to come or whatever in a lot of places the cops don't come until the crime's already been committed, like until like 30 minutes after the crime's already been committed. Like if you're not willing to, you know, prepare yourself, like it's easy to sit here and like be all talk and all this stuff. Like, oh yeah, here's what I do. I do this and this and this. Oh yeah. Um, but you gotta, you gotta commit to essentially a lifestyle that allows you to properly train yourself and your family um, and then commit to that. Um, that's one thing that I've been, you know, uh, 
trying to do as someone who, you know, may or may not own firearms, <laughs> um, you know, like I, I'm trying to uh, be as proficient with them as possible in order to, you know, be safe with them and teach people and like get people into this idea of it's okay to want to be able to defend yourself with lethal force. It's okay to want to have independence and not have to wait and be a victim, you know? Yeah. Um, so that that's, that's something that I've been like, you know, and it's frustrating now because of the ammo shortage and all that stuff now, because people are like, just now realizing like, oh shit, guns are really important. The second amendment is really important because our federal government doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. And it's just there to leech our money and, and then like kill people when they don't like it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and then you get like all these people that are like buying up everything. They don't understand it. They don't, they weren't raised with it. And so I think like, if I have kids and don't teach them about firearms, and defending themselves and their liberties, I'm doing them a disservice. And I think anyone who doesn't do that, I mean, if you're committing to a pacifist lifestyle, whatever, that's your choice. But um, I think it's better to be peaceful and capable of great violence than it is to be completely and utterly harmless and have to wait around for other people to take care of me. That was that was a good one. Yeah, that was a bar. That was, that was fire. Good job on that one. But... I was I was gonna I was thinking while you're saying that I was like if they if they took away guns, the only thing that happened is that there will be more murders with knives instead of guns. Like I don't think if somebody really wants to kill somebody, I don't think the tool is is really like what they're what they're focusing on. It probably makes it easier because it's a gun, but once you take away guns, then are you gonna take away knives? You're gonna take away every lethal object that you know someone could possibly defend themselves with. Just, yeah yeah i mean you kind of end up with this situation and you know like great britain or whatever um of like people not being able to defend themselves and not having a right to defend themselves and all this stuff and i mean if people really wanted to you know do damage you you do what you know the terrorists in france are doing driving trucks through crowds of people and that sort of thing um and i mean the, I think, I mean, aside from uh, 9-11, the largest casualty event in the United States that wasn't committed by the government um, no. was the Oklahoma City bombing in, what was that, 1995, 1995? Um, and that one, that's a whole other thing that like, you can get into that. I mean, Timothy McVeigh being a white supremacist, like that's not, I don't agree with that, but conceptually, you know, like, sometimes fighting for your rights gets dirty i guess but i, I won't really get into that because he's a he's a scumbag you know and and that's something that's way kind of over my head um but i mean really like the other than 9 11 and the oklahoma city bombing the largest like mass casualty events have been committed by the government in the united states so even if they even were not what's that Oh, Even well, yeah, okay, if you're, if you're, yeah, 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 that's my bad, yeah, because the government did not allow, you're right, you're right, so they committed that themselves, too, so, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look into stuff like the Sand Creek Massacre um, in the 1800s, Wounded Knee, just these really 
uh, or even, you know, like even more recent, the siege at Waco or Ruby Ridge, just these really heinous and disgusting acts committed by federal agencies that have no, they answer to no one, you know? Uh, there's no responsibility taken and it's all kind of swept under the rug and they say, oh, well, they had it coming, you know? Um, whether they're Native Americans or, you know, the Branch Davidians, it, 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 it doesn't matter to the government because they were in defiance of what the government stood for. I mean, even, even then, Sand Creek, they weren't in defiance of anything. They were actually trying to lay down their arms and the military just came in and massacred them and raped the women and, and strung up the children and all this stuff. Um, there was a great book that I read about the Native American experience um, in the latter half of the 1800s during the Indian Wars. It's actually, uh, I think it's called Burying My Heart at Wounded Knee. Um, and it just recounts, you know, atrocity after atrocity after atrocity committed by the government. And the Native Americans laid down their arms. They trusted them. They trusted the government. And you're like, so now you want me, like in modern day, with the most militarized police force around, like they have tanks and shit, and you're bringing in 20,000, you know, National Guard or whatever to guard the inauguration. You want me to like give up my ability to defend myself or even overthrow a tyrannical government? Like, I'll pass on that one. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like, that, that shit's mad frustrating. That, that's, I mean, I like how you're so knowledgeable about all this historical stuff. Cause like, I know, and you're a his, you're major in history, right? Or double major. I haven't like really decided on a major, but yeah, I've been into history. Like ever since I was little, my dad's a history teacher. Like that's been kind of my thing is like, you know, I, cause history is a story and it all connects every, every event is interconnected and you can see shit coming from a mile away sometimes you know like mm. uh it, it's insane just how short-sighted people are they're like oh we don't want to look to the past we're going to look to the future we're going to become this progressive society or whatever like if that's what you really want if you want to be if you want to live on your knees that that's your prerogative but i'm not i'm not interested in that <laughs> Yeah. Um, Andre, I don't know if you got any more questions for Sam before we wrap it up. Nah, nah. Yeah, because that was beautifully said. Yeah, nah, I don't want to live on my knees. What Frank Ocean said, he said, if it brings you to your knees, it's a bad religion or government. Or <laughs> No, but that, that was good, though. I like the way you, you stated everything that you said. Um, Low-key, I forgot the quote that you said that we said good job on, but... Well, there was a lot of them. No, nah, it was one where it was like, that was a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one was that one? It was... Uh, oh, something about being... Okay, you said, I'd rather be a peaceful man capable of great violence than just a harmless-ass nigga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a harmless-ass person. I mean, because there's, there's no virtue in that, I don't think. And um, I mean, yeah, you can say like, oh, I've never shot a gun. Like, I don't, I don't need a gun. I wait for the police or whatever. I don't think that's virtuous. I mean, that, that's, that's your, if that's your thing, whatever, but you don't get any respect from me, you know? Like, 
if you can't take care of yourself and your own shit, that's not respectable. But, um, you know, like, and, and, and actually what you said about Frank Ocean, that, that made me think of something like, religion or government has become a religion i mean you look at this stuff it's like these people like are willing to give up the essence of their humanity just for a little bit more security you know and i think that's just that's abhorrent i don't i i that makes my blood boil you know i i don't want to live in a society where people are so timid and soft that they they can't you know like stand up for themselves it, it's really very frustrating uh, to be living in this time, but, you know, we got to work through it, you know, develop your own brand of individuality. You know? And I like that. I was like listening to your guys' podcast, like, you know, cause I knew Tommy or Tommy had asked me to come on and all that stuff. And I was like, like, you know, I got to get ready. You got to prep for all this stuff, you know? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it really seems like you guys are kind of like developing an individuality, like, your audience and that sort of stuff and I think that's dope um and I mean it made me think about like you know trying to develop my own brand of 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 that sort of thing you know like motivating people who uh own firearms like like I said like it's easy to sit and be like oh yeah I own firearms like I'll be able to stand up against government like fuck no you gotta train you gotta you gotta prepare to be an insurgent basically you know like you gotta like figure out what your weaknesses are and work on that shit. And I think that's severely lacking in the second amendment community. Um, and the, you know, like libertarian little, well, I say libertarian, I, I don't mean like the libertarian party, like fuck those guys, fuck political parties, but like the people that actually want freedom for everyone, you know, the, 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 those kinds of people, like there's a lot of big talk in those communities right now. And I think it's really important to like, put your money where your mouth is, you know, and actually prep and be, be about it, you know? And I don't think like there's so much fake in this world that not a whole lot of people are actually about it. Yeah. At all. Be about it. Don't speak about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, Sam, thank you for coming on. I'm sure like a lot of people, they're going to leave this conversation, like thinking a lot of things that, either about the way, maybe like reassessing the opinions they had on 2A and guns and just how they looked at defending themselves. And like you said, sitting there begging for somebody to come to your rescue, that's not a virtue. That's you being a fucking nuisance. You should be able to take care of yourself because there's no point in having life if you can't defend it. Mm. Yeah, facts, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to like, I'm not trying to like put people down either. Like, I want to be positive about this shit. Like, I'm not trying to like make people feel bad about themselves or whatever. Like, I, I just want to make people think, you know, because not a lot of people are thinking for themselves. And like, if it, if it makes even one person like go outside and go for a walk because they realize they're not like physically fit, like then I'll be happy. I want people to, you know, take life like and live it to the fullest, not, you know, just kind of sit around on their ass or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on and all that and just kind of, you know, speak my piece, even if I ramble and all that shit. But no, no, you're um, all good. Symphonies here. If you wouldn't have ram- you rambling probably gave them like 90% more information than we could give them about guns. So 
Much appreciated. Thank for you. Real. <laughs> we would have just said we would have just did this in the camera the whole time. If we had a gun conversation between the two of us, <laughs> we would have just showed each other snaps of these dudes that have a lot of guns that are probably not registered. So yeah. those gun laws ain't stopping them. Get out but, there, you know, train, be an insurgent, take take steps. Take steps to better yourself every day, even if it's just like a little bit, little bit longer of a walk, or you go for a jog or something. Like, mm-hmm. do shit that will better you. Like, recognize what your weaknesses are and try to improve on them. And maybe one day we can overthrow the federal government and actually set shit up so that it runs right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean that. I mean that metaphoric <laughs> but, but get out there and better yourselves honestly yeah seriously do what you gotta do you feel yeah, me yeah. I, I ain't even gonna drop a quote after that yeah you know what we're gonna end it we're gonna end it like this three two one end